Welcome to Around and Around the OCD Circle. My name is Elizabeth, and I have been living with obsessive compulsive disorder for over 60 years. I am not a therapist or a member of the medical community. I am just an ordinary person like yourself who will be sharing my thoughts and experiences with you with the hope that you will feel less alone. If you don't have OCD, I hope you will learn some information that will help you understand this disorder better. Some of the topics I will be covering may be triggering for you as a listener. If so, I apologize in advance. Since I don't know what your triggers are, please refer to the episode summary in the show notes before listening to each episode. If at any time you feel like hurting yourself or ending your life, please, please call the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988 if you are in the United States. It is open 24 hours a day and you will be connected with the nearest crisis center to receive immediate counseling and local mental health referrals. Now, on to today's episode. In today's show, I sit down to talk with Ashley Marie Berry, author of the book Separate Things, a Memoir, which is now available on Amazon. Ashley discusses her mental health journey, detailing her experiences with depression, bipolar disorder, and obsessive-compulsive disorder. She shares insights into her first obsessions, intrusive thoughts, numerous hospitalizations, and various treatments over the years. Ashley also talks about the support she has received from her family and how she supports her daughter, who also has OCD. I hope you enjoy today's show and learn from Ashley's story that you are not alone. Good morning, Ashley. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm great. It's so nice to meet you. I'm glad we got together. We're going to be talking about your OCD experience and also you've written a book that I'm very interested in hearing about. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but that's it's been put in my queue. And so I was just wondering if you'd like to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, whatever you want want to share. Uh, My name's Ashley. Um, I suffer from OCD. I just wrote a memoir called Separate Things um, and it's on Amazon. Um, I've suffered from OCD since I was seven, and uh, it was really empowering to write this memoir because um, I do think that it's going to help a lot of people. So That's awesome. Yeah. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the book towards the end of today's conversation, and then you can let the folks know, you know how they can purchase it, and I'm also going to be putting the information in the show notes as well, okay? Great. So I would like to start off by asking you, like, what type of OCD do you have? Do you have harm OCD, intrusive thoughts, religious? Yeah. Just a little bit about that. Um, So when I was seven, um, I had uh, full-blown sexual intrusive thoughts. Um, I thought I was going to become a pedophile um, because there was a serial rapist that lived down the street from us. And I thought if he could live down the street from us, then maybe I could become him. Um, So I had a lot of thoughts about people being naked. Like I couldn't go to the mall because I thought I was going to see everybody naked there. Um, I had a lot of religious intrusive thoughts. Um, So anytime I passed a church, 
I thought I was just going to like suck up all the feelings um, that the people had that were in the church. Um, and my contamination fears started probably around the same time, around seven. And they've kind of gone up and down <laughs> my whole life. I find when I'm struggling with depression or or something else, uh, if I'm overwhelmed in my life, that contamination fears will come back um, very strong. So yeah, that's a little snapshot of, uh, of what fears I, I struggle with. Did you, as a young child, did you tell anyone about what you were thinking or did you just keep it to yourself or? No, I told my mom. Um, she's wonderful. She's my person. Um, she never judges me anytime. I can say anything to her. Um, but when um, Paul Bernardo was the, the rapist's name, when he was arrested, <clears throat> our lives as kids kind of changed. Like we weren't allowed to go outside anymore. Um, we were just, we gave up being kids when he was arrested because it was so close. And that's when my thoughts got worse because I felt like, oh, there is a fear because other people are fe feeling this fear. Like my mom was scared. So I told her, she brought me to a child psychologist. They actually brought in five child psychologists to St. Catharines after um, he was arrested because so many kids were having problems. Can you tell me about what year this was? Um, this would have been 92. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I believe 92. Yeah, so I saw a child psychologist. Um, it was hard, though, because, you know, I'm seven. I walk into this person's office, and it's very cold-looking. They didn't have any, like, children's toys or anything around. It was very very office-like, and, and I didn't want to talk to her because she wasn't my mother. Right. That so was difficult. Yeah. Were you by yourself in there? Um, at first, I was with my mom, and then my mom just went to the waiting room but i believe there was a glass um like the a window that she could see in yeah i was just trying to decide what the protocol was back in 1992 yeah. for something like that i mean you just you're yeah. thinking about a pedophile and you know yeah. they're leaving and you and leaving you behind a closed door i i kind of doubt it but yeah so uh, 1992, that's amazing because that's the exact year that my OCD got full-blown. No and, way. And so there was not any mention of OCD. I saw numerous people and OCD was never mentioned. So I'm okay. assuming that OCD, was OCD mentioned to you in 1992? No, it Your was mom? Just, no, they didn't know what the thoughts were coming from. Yeah. I, okay. It wasn't until two years later, I was diagnosed at Sick Kids in Toronto. Um, with OCD, but uh, I remember 94. my, yeah, 94. Wow. So I remember my mom going to the library and trying to find all the books on anything she could find. And there was only one book on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I went, were you, you were performing rituals that young? Yes. Um, okay. mental, mental rituals. Yeah. And then mental the rituals. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, it's those. I find those ones are hard though because people can't see them, so they they don't well, know that you're suffering. That's why I'm just so I can't believe this because in 1992, 
93, 94, they had no idea what I had. And because I was not really at that point really performing physical rituals yet. Mm-hmm. And so I did just, and I kept using the word obsession, obsession, obsession. And they never would test me for OCD. They would only test oh. me for multiple personality disorder. They tried you know, to shut things like that. Yeah. They were not using that word with me. I had no idea. And so um, that was Canada. So I wonder if y'all are just a little bit more advanced than we are. I don't know. Maybe. Or maybe it was <laughs> just that doctor at Sick Kids, just, right? Maybe you just, just had a great place there. Yeah. So, but two years you suffered with that before they let you know or your yeah. mom know. Yeah. They were just trying to treat for anxiety. They put me in Prozac and Mm-hmm. yeah it was just kind of like an umbrella term right like it's just let's we don't know what to do so let's just throw her in there so i have several questions already mm-hmm. you were talking about driving by the churches were you in a religious family at all no not at all um okay. we only went to church um because all my neighbors went to church and we kind of wanted to be like as kids we're like we want to go to sunday school mm-hmm. um so uh, my mom actually spoke to somebody that she met through somebody else um, who had OCD and said, if you can take her out of the church, that would be the best um, situation because he had religious intrusive thoughts and he knew that that could be a possibility for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went to public school and for some reason they were handing out these little red Bibles um, and I was in grade five. And I couldn't do anything wrong around this Bible, but I always had to carry it with me. So even if I thought something bad or I was thinking about having a thought that was bad, I thought I was going to go to hell because mm-hmm. of this Bible. Like I felt like this Bible was just like sucking up my thoughts and was going to tell God and then I was going to go to hell. And so that this was wasn't coming. This is, wasn't coming from inside your family. This was just coming from you attending. Yes. And people ministering to you and because there's such concrete rules like don't do anything bad don't do and then my brain is like oh my god what if I do this right yeah it was mm-hmm. scary that was and that one still comes back every once in a while um, really? I haven't been to church since but yeah isn't it amazing how we sometimes go backwards a little bit oh yeah um, it waxes and wanes for sure Mm-hmm. Like just depending on yeah where I am in my life and yeah I still go back to old see I've done CBT and I've gotten mm-hmm. rid of a lot of rituals but I find myself sometimes going back to the same ones even just for a little while it just like calms me but oh, then okay. I but then but then I stop but it's just like kind of like revisiting an old friend oh. <laughs> you know but then and, you got yourself and the, yeah right. and, and, and then I just like I don't need this and it's just, you know, it's not helping me and it's not solving anything, but I find myself going back and doing a few of them okay. once in a while, especially when I'm in really a stressful situation. Yeah. yeah. Well, because you're looking for comfort, right? And you said that right. publicly that, yeah, mm-hmm. that it is comforting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did so, you ever do ERP for exposure? Well, I, I guess you would call it that. I don't like... I'm obsessed with people. I don't know if you've listened to any of my episodes on how my mind manifests, but I'm obsessed with one person, one specific person. And it could be somebody that I know, somebody I don't know, somebody I love, somebody I don't like, 
and it can go from six months to six years. Okay. So then I perform those rituals to keep them from getting sick or dying. I see. Okay. I forgot your question already. Oh, I saw what I was talking about. So my my exposure therapy would be to expose myself to that person. So some of these people I may not even know, but that would be like if they're, you know, if their face is on a screen, make, forcing myself to watch them, you know. Oh, yeah, that's, a, see. that's exposure. You know, that would be, yeah. it's that kind of thing. It's not like you're putting a tarantula in your hand, but. But it's still the same. You're still exposing yourself to right. them. Right. Yeah. Feel the anxiety for a little while and then, and then turn it off, you know, mm-hmm. or hear this person's name, like just you know a lot of people that know me they know that they're really not supposed to talk about this person right now mm-hmm. and they'll say I want to say this person's name is it okay or not and I can make that decision oh that's so good. then that's a way of exposing myself you know just the name can sometimes just <laughs> oh. blow everything up for me you know so that's great that your friends let you know first before yeah 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 well now they do, you know, I suffer, I'm 61. So I've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Most people didn't know. So, okay. You know, so I'm, so I was curious about, did it affect your schoolwork? Definitely. And, um, the need to be perfect and me missing a lot of school because I physically couldn't get there. Um, clashed a lot um, because I always had to get 100% on every test on everything. But um, I was missing a lot of school um, because I just couldn't get out of my bed. I used to put towels down on the floor so I could walk to the bathroom. Um, But on days where the thoughts were just too much, I couldn't, I couldn't make it out of bed. Um, So it was difficult. I did, I missed a lot of school. Yeah, I'm a former teacher and I had several children that I taught who had major anxiety. They missed a lot of school. And I don't know if your teachers knew that you had anxiety. Did your parents (laughs) let them know that why you weren't in school? Like Yeah, and some of them were really um compassionate towards that, and some of them were not. Right. Yeah, some of them were just get over it. Get her here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but my mom, my, my mom was awesome. She just, she knew when I couldn't go in, so. I mean, if you would have gone to school like that, mm-hmm. can you imagine what your day and everyone else's day would have been like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like I just would have hid. I would have found a spot. I mean, you have to think about the priorities. Like, school is important, but mental mm-hmm. health is higher. Yeah, like, I have a... I have a daughter who's autistic and she also has OCD uh-huh. and we had to pull her from school like indefinitely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, because she was, she was hiding in, in cubbies and the teachers just weren't understanding and it was difficult for her. And now she's reading, writing. Um, yeah. She goes to a forest program. So they learn outside. So she doesn't have any of the echoes in the room. And yeah, if I had that option when I was younger, that would have been wonderful. Like an alternative school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any specific triggers? Um, warts. Say that uh, again. Warts. Like, okay. Um. So this one I worked on 
with exposure therapy for over a year. And this is covered in the book. And I know when I say warts, people are like, what? Like that's, it doesn't seem like a huge thing, but I couldn't, um, step where other people had stepped, even if they had socks on. Cause I thought that they would give me a wart. And um, I had a wart on my foot and I had to get it burned off. And um, during the time that I had it, I had to shower with a glove on and then a plastic bag over my both feet. It was only on one foot and then duct tape around my my ankles Mm. um, because I didn't want to spread it anywhere. And that was the whole thing about the towels going to the bathroom, too. I didn't want to step where my family had stepped. Um, So going out was impossible because I didn't want, and like my shoes, I couldn't touch the bottom of my shoes. I couldn't touch, I couldn't touch, really, I couldn't touch anything on my shoes. Like once they were off my feet, my mom had to move them. Um, And it just, like I catastrophized this. And I thought that I was going to get just warts on my whole body. And like, I would just turn into this this human wart and they'd have to like burn them off me and then they would just keep coming. And then I would just be stuck in the hospital and like, even, even just talking about it now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, no. Um, I know it's hard. Yeah. Um, but there are people listening right now who can totally relate to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's so, it, it does feel great to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I did exposure um, therapy with my psychiatrist and she would take me to the YMCA and we would, that wasn't step one. Like step one was touching a wart on a computer screen, kind of what you were talking about, mm-hmm. right? About looking at, so that was the first exposure. Um, and we made kind of like a ladder going up and we rated um, how hard things would be for me. Like if that was a five out of 10, if that was a four out of 10. And so we started at the bottom. And as we worked up, um, she brought me to a spa and I had to touch all the, um, like all the pedicure equipment that other people's feet had touched. Um, and then once like your anxiety goes up, like, you know, this, it goes up to a hundred. And so when it drops, by half, then I can stop doing the exposure. So it was nice to feel that drop because I never really felt it before, right? Like it was more when I had a worry, I would just worry and worry and worry and worry and worry, you know, until I took a nap or until until I took medication. Um, so it was nice to feel like myself, like inside that it was that it was dropping, like I was dropping it. Um, so the last one that was a 10 out of 10 on the ladder, we walked around the hospital in our bare feet. Mm. Yeah. You are um, incredibly brave, Ashley. (laughs) Thank you. That took, mind you, that took over a year. Like it wasn't, it wasn't quick. Like I'm talking about it. Like it's quick, but it was. yeah. 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 And I mean, I had homework and I was you know, I always did my homework. (laughs) Um, but yeah, my psychiatrist was incredible. Um, yeah. And, and now I can, I still have a hard time at like public pools, but I can walk around in bare feet and it's nice. It's not like holding me anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you find that you can 
do exposure therapy now on your own without now that you know like the process yes that you don't have to go every time there's something else that you have to go to your therapist and go well I need help with this are you learning how to do that on your own yes and that's like a revelation too to know that like I have a hold over that as well right I mean it changes your life because one thing it makes you independent it's cheaper you don't have to go pay your therapist you know (laughs) And you feel like such a sense of accomplishment. Yes. You know? Yes. So that's what I like to tell the listeners that, you know, just because you're going in for ERP or CBT, that doesn't mean that you have to go in for, you know, a hundred sessions for the rest of your life. I mean, I still, I still see mine, mm-hmm. but not for that because I've already like got the process. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, is it more of like a booster session that you go for? I, you know, we just have so many, th- we're we're older now and we have so many things going on in our lives. Our parents are getting sick. Our parents are dying. We have grandchildren being born. We have, you know, there's always something major going on in our lives. And when I just feel like I can't handle it anymore, all this, then I call her and I can just talk and mm-hmm. I can just spill it. You know, and I don't, but I don't have to say, okay, well, how am I going to do CBT on this? You know, because for one thing, I've been obsessed with the same person now for five years. So I already know, I already know how to take care of that. So now if I never have two at the same time, oh, never, they never overlap. So once this one ends, I may have a little break if I'm lucky. And then the next one will start. Then I may possibly have to do CBT a couple of times with her. Mm -hmm. But Probably not because I know, I already know what to do. I just have to make myself do it. And that's the hard part. That's that's where bravery comes in. That's where, and that's where experience comes in because I know I can do this. I've done it before. Mm -hmm. I know the steps. I just have to look back and go, how did I do this? Okay, we're going to start from the beginning and this is what I have to do. And it Mm -hmm. might be six months, it might be six years, but it, will eventually be gone you know and so I think really I only think about this person uh, like one percent of my day now oh versus a hundred percent of my day and I think the reason is that I'm hanging on to that because I know another one might come and so I kind of hang on to this right so that another one won't take its place right so far it's working but I don't I don't know if it will. But that's know. a legitimate fear to like, once you're done. Another one's going to pop up. Exactly. It always does. Yeah. That's how <laughs> I feel um, about my depression. When I get out of one, I feel like I'm planning for the next one. Really? You know, and I don't. And my doctors are like, just live like you're, you're doing well. Like I just finished ECT. Just look forward. Just Sorry. look forward. What's ECT? Yeah. Oh, electroconvulsive therapy. It's it's not for OCD. It's for depression. Okay. But I find when my OCD gets really bad, then I fall into a depression. Right. Um, yeah. So my doctors are saying, like, just go live. Like, just go. And I'm like, but I'm still planning. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still planning. Like, oh, the next time I end up in the hospital, mm-hmm. this is what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not an excellent feeling. You're looking for D-Day. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, 
it's easy for other people to say, just be happy, but right. We know. What, I know. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah, exactly. I know. Just, so just stop thinking about it. Yeah. Just stop thinking about it. I'm yeah. like, don't you think I've tried that? Like yeah. for the last five years, like, don't you think I've thought of that solution? It's amazing how many people tell me that just stop thinking about her. Yeah. And do and people like, tell you like, oh, I have a little bit of OCD. Okay. <laughs> I just finished an interview with Tracy Perkins. Mm -hmm. She was a patient on the reality show, The OCD Project. And we talked about that. Okay. So I would like your take on that. Um, I find, like, I released my book last week. And I don't know if people are trying to... Because I never want to say to somebody, no, you don't. Because if they actually do have it, right? But in my mind, I do want to say that. So I feel like people are just trying to connect with me and be like, oh, yeah, I have a little bit of that too. Like knowing that the book was coming out and knowing. Um, and I actually used to have business cards that I handed out that said, um, like, I actually have OCD. I've been hospitalized six times. OCD is not like the funny little quirky thing that you're believing it to be. And so I just used to hand them a card and then walk away. What a wonderful idea. It is. I mean, it's passive aggressive, but, <laughs> but I mean, it, it made me feel better, right? Because I get this all the time. Like, oh yeah, I have a little bit of that. No, it's either your brain is wired differently or it's not right? Like you can't, I don't, I don't know. And I feel like it's such a trend right now for people to say, oh, you know, I have an anxiety anxiety disorder. I know OCD is not part of the anxiety disorder category anymore, but I don't know. I just feel like people are using it so lightly and it's like not a light thing. Well, it's just like the word love. They throw it around. It's true. Um, that's so gay. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, organize my M&Ms by color. I'm so OCD. Yeah, they think, yeah, someone told me that uh, they like their kitchen mm, clean and well, then they have OCD. Okay. If you, if you think your friend's going to die because they're not arranged that way, then, then we maybe possibly we'll take a look at that. But, yeah. Um, no. Yeah. It's frustrating and it's it's making I mean, this a I'm, little I'm thing. just trying to ignore them about I just I you're educating them with your card. I'm just basically <laughs> letting them go. You know, I'm just like, I got other things to do today. Yeah. Um, you just go ahead and go ahead and think you get in my shoes and then you tell me. Yeah. What OCD is. Yes. So, so what are, so we've already talked about compulsions and intrusive thoughts. We've already talked about a lot of things on my list. So, I don't know how many friends you have, and it, we can talk about present or we can talk about past, makes no difference to me, but I was just wondering how your family reacted or is currently reacting, how your friends reacted, do they, like my, my friends make adjustments for me, um, mm -hmm. I have, my OCD starts when a event is not closed in time, okay. so my friends know that if they tell me they're going to call at a certain time and they don't, they're going to get a message from me asking them, are you going to call? Because I have to have that event closed. Okay. Or they could possibly be my next target. Okay. <laughs> you know, they yes. know, that's, that's how this starts is there's an unclosed event in time with this person. And, and then it just 
gets a loop. Rose. Yeah. Gets in a loop. And yeah. Do they um, do they do anything to assist you or yes. I do they avoid do they avoid you like the plague? And you have you lost friendships or relationships oh, definitely. because of it? Definitely. You know, tell us um, a little bit about that, you know. Yeah, like I feel like I'm a lot. Um, especially like when I'm in the middle of an episode that's that's too much for them. Um, I find it really hard to have friends. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the same the same for you, but I feel like I'm such a black and white thinker that if like that friend does something that I don't like, it's easier for me to just say, I don't want to hang out with you again than to like a kind of attempt to fix it. Um, my family, on the other hand, has been wonderful. And I know a lot of people um, don't have this. Um, but I, nobody in my family has OCD um, or or any sort of mood disorder or anything. So I'm like kind of the unicorn. Yeah, I was going to um, ask you that if you thought it was hereditary. In well, my family. daughter has it. Well, yeah, that it's yeah, come down from you. But I was thinking before you. Yeah, no, no one, no one wow. had it. Um, and they can't even really say like that person had it, but wasn't diagnosed. Like it was, there was no tendencies. There wasn't wow. anything. Okay. Um, so my family um, read everything they could about OCD. Uh, they came to sessions with me, with my psychiatrist. Um, if I have to be admitted, I mean, they're right there. If I'm in the middle of, I also have bipolar disorder. So if I'm in the middle of a bipolar depression, like they're just so helpful. And my husband is wonderful. Um, he knew nothing about mental illness when we met. Um, but now like, I feel like he's like an honorary one of us. Like I feel like he really understands my needs. And when I just want to be left alone, like it's not like, like he just knows my moods and knows he just knows me so well and he's so wonderful and he's so wonderful with our daughter too um he had to learn a lot um because when we met i wasn't my ocd was kind of at a good spot um but when hers came out at age five it was full blown like it just like came out kind of like mine came out at seven and um you know, he had to learn, like, am I giving into this? Should I be saying something about hand washing? Should I not? Like, and he's like, let's make a plan. It's always like, let's make a plan. And I think that's so helpful because sometimes I look at it and I'm overwhelmed and I'm like, I gave that to her. That's awesome. Right? Like, so he's like, he's wonderful. Yeah. And my daughter's doing really well with, um, yeah, like we do, we call, we call it the anxiety monster and um yeah we do exposures with her so yeah uh, that's amazing to have that support yeah it is and i know like i i know a lot of people don't don't have that and i wish like i wish for them you know just to find that one person that can that can help them out yeah i i've got a an interview scheduled i hope it's gonna go um with a husband and wife the wife has ocd and the husband wanted to come on and we wanted to talk about spouses of exactly. people with yeah. OCD. 
the That's challenges. The, we've got a schedule. Like I said, I don't know if it will go, but I'm hoping it will. Yeah. Everybody's so busy right now. So, <laughs> um, so you've done ERP. Mm-hmm. You've done, what's that C- other one? CBT. C- well, CBT. And then you did the other one. Uh, DBT. <laughs> I've done them all. Oh, it was something else. Um, it was with a different disorder. It wasn't with OCD. It was your. Oh, depression. I did ECT. Yeah. Electroconvulsive yeah, yeah. therapy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. give you seizures. Yeah. And it did that help you? Yeah. Surprisingly, I did four sessions. I was at like the I I was at a really, really low. They didn't think I was coming out of this one. And um four sessions, I just kind of like woke up and I'm like, hey, do you, like the first thing I said to my husband was, Do you want to watch a movie tonight? And like for me to say that, I know it doesn't sound like anything, but for me to say that to him to like make a plan for the future, because I was in such a deep depression about, I don't want to be here, you know, like this, I'm not going to like, it was just awful. And then after four sessions, I just like bounced back. Yeah, it was wonderful. So I ended up doing nine. Um, I mean, I would recommend it. It's wonderful. It's for, for depression. depression, right? Yeah, it's for depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you currently on any medication right now? Oh, yes. For depression? For, yeah, uh, yeah, for bipolar depression, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you want to spout off the ones that you've used in the past? Oh. For all those people who are always asking me, what, what medications medication? do you take? Do you know, can I tell you my favorite one? Yeah. For OCD, it was clomipirine and acronyl. Really? Oh my gosh, that was a lifesaver. Like are you a still lifesaver. on it? Um, I just went off it when I was in my depression um, because it could um, have a, like, it could make me go lower. Have so it, I went spell off. Spell it, it, I mean, say it slowly. Oh, sorry, clomipramine. C L O. Clomipramine. I haven't seen that one. Really? It's called the nafronil. It's used a lot in Canada, I think. Well, I I haven't been on medication in a while. So that's probably why. I am currently med-free. Okay. I'm sure in the future I will be back on something. But for right now, I'm med-free and relying on my my therapy. But Okay. I find for me, I know everyone's different. It just takes the edge off and it's easier for me to do therapy. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what what, I what's helped me the most with depression was Prozac. And it's also helped me with my OCD. Yes, I was on and that. I was on it for nine years and then I got mm-hmm. off of it. And then every, um, the holidays are a real trigger for me. And so usually in September, I start it and then get off of it in February. to kind of help me get through the holidays, all the triggers. And mm-hmm. then, and then I think it's been three years since I've done that, but I always somehow go back to Prozac. Did you oh, have, yeah. did you have a medicine that you just had horrible side effects with? Um, yeah. <laughs> Lamictal. I got the okay. full body rash, like all over my face uh, and neck and like huge hives. Um, so yeah, I had to go off that one quickly cause it was over my neck. Um, but other ones, like, I just find the first, like, four to six weeks are a little bit tough. Oh, yeah. Because they make you drowsy and... I had terrible stomach cramps for two weeks when I first started Prozac. Oh, yeah. I almost didn't... Cont- I almost... I said, this is crazy. I can't do this. 
Cause I was a, I was a teacher and I was like doubling over in the classroom and I'm like this, I can't do this, but once I got past it, mm-hmm. right. But I had most people stop double, then, right? Yeah, they do. And mo- mm-hmm. and so you got to go with, give it at least two or three weeks. Yeah. Please. And then with boost bar, I had double vision. So I was trying to play softball and every time I was trying to hit the ball, I was seeing two balls coming oh, towards no. me. So I got off that real quick. So what I guess my point is for everyone listening is we can tell you all these medications we've been on, the ones we like, the ones we don't, but they're, you're going to react to them all differently. So, you know, it's just an answer that I don't like to give because what works for one person is not going to work for the other person. Right. It's great to get, you know, it's great to get, um, you know, Ashley throwing out that one that she really, really liked and I might look into it, but I'm not going to hold Ashley to it if it doesn't work for me <laughs> because right. it's just, exactly. you never know. And especially yeah. when you're taking multiples mm-hmm. and they react with each other or you're taking medicines for other, you know, ailments or whatever. That's a, And then your body type and your, I mean, there's just so much that comes into play. With yeah. Like you metabol, everybody so, metabolizes things differently. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. And I was just having too many side effects. Like I am no longer on blood pressure medicine. I am no longer on thyroid medication. I'm on nothing right now. I was just done with the side effects. It's kind of like, I'm just clearing my body out of everything. Okay. And then I'm going to kind of start over, I think, because I feel better without them than I did with them if that makes because I just yeah. find that I was having side effects and then I'd have to take a pill to counteract that side effect and then I was feeling worse and I was just mm-hmm. like okay we're just gonna stop here first because I don't have anything life-threatening now, if I had something life-threatening that'd be totally different you know I'm not asking people to go off their medications by any I have right now knock on wood I'm good mm-hmm. my blood pressure's good my thyroid's good you know um but yeah. No, I understand. I mean, it can save your life. Medica- medication yeah. can save your life. And I, gosh, I don't want my listeners to think I'm anti-meds at all. Mm-hmm. No, you're just taking a break. And I think that, I, that I'm know. just cleaning, cleansing my body and I'm exactly. doing other things. But if, you know, if I had an illness, you know, a major illness, oh yeah, I'd be down in my doctor's office immediately. Yeah. yeah they asked me, say, you need to be on this. I do it. I listen yeah. to my doctor's. Like being bipolar, I like I can't go off meds. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. It and people do. Yes. And I understand why they do, because they think that they can do it without and mm-hmm. they get tired of it. And but well, and some people can't afford it, and that's not fair. Either. Right. Yeah. Right. And boy, there's just something this country's gotta I don't know. I have I, I don't know where in Canada you are. I'm in the fall, Niagara Falls. Oh, okay. I know people there and I have family in Ontario and Waterloo Kitchener area. Okay. My, my dad has dual citizenship. So uh, I've been that, I've been to Niagara Falls and, you know, (laughs) I love it there. So are you currently employed? Um, Right now I'm on disability because of the last depression. Yeah. It lasted over a year. Um, But I do own my own company. Um, small company. I'm not talking big company. I'm a costume designer for competitive dance. Uh-huh. Um, and that's easy for me because it's flexible and I work from home. Right. Um, and if I need to take a down day, I take a down day and no one's. Affected. And see, that's awesome. So yeah. I have, I have, and I have a job, but also started my own business. And in a few years, I'm going to retire, but 
I've had to make adjustments in my job, which I think I've done a an episode on that that should have already come out. But I find I'm just can't wait till I retire because this business is so much better for me and my OCD. Good. And I just I love it. It's I I I have to check constantly in this business. Oh, okay. I'm a I'm a mental checker, right? Okay. I don't I don't count objects on the table but i mm. mentally check everything and so this business is made for that like i got i got a whole bunch of things to check every day when i get up and all day long and it's like it's just perfect it. yeah yeah <laughs> oh no so costume your costume designer yes that's awesome yeah i go i do um all the drafting myself and make all the patterns and wow. yeah and i work with my mom Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's helpful as well. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your book? I mean, I want everyone to go over and buy it, so I don't want you to, <laughs> you know, you. give a bunch of spoilers <laughs> away and everything. But just like, what led you to write this book? What should the audience expect when, you know, reading this book? What should they get out of it? Or um, I think I wrote this book because it's the book I needed when I was diagnosed. I think um, by learning from other people's experiences, I like that better than reading a self-help book because I can connect with that person, even though I don't know who they are, but I can connect with the book and be like me too, you know, Mm -hmm. like I had when I, I just released it last week and I had a message in my inbox the next day that was so nice. And it said, I don't even know who this person was, but they said, I read the chapter on sexual intrusive thoughts. And I've never told anybody this, but I have them Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And to me, if nobody bought the book after that, I've done my job, Mm -hmm. right? Like, cause I, I just felt for this person and like for them to write, like to even take the time to write that to me, like it was just so, so wonderful. So Mm -hmm. it kind of goes up and down like OCD does um, throughout the chapters. Um, It talks about my psychiatric stays and a lot of the nurses there didn't really understand OCD um, because they're used to treating depression and and stuff like that. So it was almost like me educating them. Um, And then it talks about when my daughter was diagnosed and how I felt when she was diagnosed because it was overwhelming. And then I went into a depression and it kind of touches on everything mm-hmm. on every kind of, you know, situation that I've been through. And I'm, I'm really hoping that it can help other people, even if they just say me too, and get that feeling of like, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I think that that's what we need more of. Right. Right. And that's why I have this podcast as well. Definitely. Definitely. So it's called, the book is called Separate Things, a memoir. And it can be purchased where? On On Amazon? Amazon. Yes. Okay. In what form? Um, In, they have the Kindle version and the soft cover. Mm -hmm. Okay. And is there a place that, a, a way that, people can contact you do you yeah, have definitely. a website or social media yeah social media is good um it's facebook 
um, my user is separate things. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on Instagram, it's separate things memoir. And I check my messages often. Okay. And I will put those in the show notes as well. Perfect. And so before we close, I was just wondering if you could think of some words of wisdom that you'd like to leave with the listeners who are living with OCD. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, I think, and like someone said this to me and I, I hated them for it at first. And they said, it gets worse before it gets better. But when you're doing ERP, it does get worse, but then it gets so much better. And I just hope that, because I I read a lot on chats and stuff about people are like, I don't want to try that because I'd heard it's really hard. But it is really hard, but the benefits that you get from it is just amazing. And I think just to keep talking, like keep talking to each other, like keep talking about it. Um, Because if you feel shame towards it, and you talk to somebody else about it, that shame dissolves. And I think that that's something that we all kind of need to work on instead of hiding. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Ashley. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks, Beth. Thank you for listening to Ashley Marie's story. I know some of you can relate to all she's gone through. I encourage you to read Ashley's memoir, now available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle versions. My affiliate link is listed below. Show Ashley Marie some love by leaving her an Amazon review after reading her story. You can contact Ashley Marie on her social media accounts, Separate Things Facebook page, her email address, and her Instagram. They're all listed in the show notes. Don't forget that you can contact me on my social media accounts also listed below. And if you'd like to be a guest and tell your OCD story, remember that you can be completely anonymous on air. Join me next Monday on Around and Around the OCD Circle. Until then, have a wonderful week.